Welcome back to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hi. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And we have a absolute whopper of a record to discuss. And if you think it's noise or not noise, uh, it doesn't matter. It's been This band has been cited by so many <laughs> awesome noise musicians as an inspiration that uh, we have to talk about Tangerine Dream. Oh mm-hmm. man, we are we are very excited. This is actually, you know, very early on we had we had decided that we were going to do a Tangerine Dream episode for sure because everyone from Masami, you know, to Mon Brutes to Nord to Euronymous. Hijo Kaiden. <laughs> <to laughs> have mentioned yeah. Tangerine Dream as being such a huge inspiration and influence that we knew we were just gonna have to have to do it at some point. And you know, last week's episode, the Nord episode, you know, we we just we mentioned this record, I think, multiple times throughout the episode. So we were like, you know what? Let's ke- let's just keep that conversation going. Yeah. Let's do Tangerine Dreams. Light. I think we've mentioned it for like the last four episodes. Yeah. So we might as well just like get it out. Let's you know what it. I mean? Let's do it. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So very excited to dig into this uh, album. Yeah, it's a a perfect record. I mean, we'll we'll get I, to all that, but yes, I would agree. We'll get there. <laughs> it's a perfect record. Uh one that agree. I've been in love with for a long time and I'm excited we get to dig into it a little deeper. But before that, Connolly's, what have you been listening to? Actually, before we tell you what we've been listening to, I am going to do a little quick plug for our Noise Extra Patreon. All right. Uh, Just kind of just kind of want to. You know, we don't we don't mention it a ton. We usually mention it at the end of the episode, so maybe not everyone makes it all the way to those last minutes of an episode. If you do, kudos to you. I Thanks know, so much. I know we appreciate you. Uh, happens with me with podcasts. I uh, kind of you know. Yeah, you finish your drive, you go home, you forget you were listening yeah, yeah, to something. Yeah, but, it's uh, fine. Ju- yeah, just kind of wanted to uh, to just mention the 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 Patreon uh, uh, Patreon dot com slash noise extra, and we have. We are nearing a hundred episodes uh, of a couple different podcast series over there right now. So if you if you sign up now, you literally get almost it's ninety something episodes at this point. Yeah. Um. You know, we do our seven inch Sundays over there where we where we cover a seven inch each Sunday. Oh, and we just did a really weird one, Nomex, which is uh, Nomex Misanthropy, which is a seven inch of someone playing center labels recorded to and pressed to vinyl at different speed. And it's awesome yeah. and weird. And I've had the record for 20 years and we talk about uh, conceptual records and something as weird as it, that, as well as like covering killer noise records. We're doing the case histories with the, uh, the murder series on self abuse over there. And we have plans to do uh, some other stuff, noise tournament and a few other things are in the works. So we're going to just kind of, we keep going through and doing cool seven inch series. In addition to, all the podcasts the Conleys have. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> Tara and I, we have two series over there. And again, you know, over in the Patreon, we, you know, we just, it's kind of, we're a little more free to, to cover lots of other stuff, lots of our other interests over there, yep. stemming from noise generally. But, you know, some episodes we don't even mention anything, you know, necessarily related to noise. Um, one of our podcasts, Home Time, generally covers a good, you know, 70s and 80s trash cinema. Uh, you know, not, that's not our, we don't have a hard and fast rule that we do that, but it just has kind of happened that way. Oops. And then we have a podcast where we talk about uh, wrestling because we got so deep into it 
uh, through this podcast, through people like GX and MSBR and Capacitance and et cetera, that uh, we just decided to do a whole series just uh, about wrestling. And, and you know, the, you know, the, the noise kind of weaves through those series uh, as well. Um, but even the seven inch episodes, you know, I mean, we, uh, we did, uh, you know, Dead World, which was uh, Jonathan Candy's, you know, more industrial metal project. So over on the Patreon, it's, you know, there's definitely a little more room to, to uh, kind of expand and talk about uh, a lot of our other interests. We get a little casual. Yeah, exactly. So uh, if that any of that sounds interesting to you, pop on over, see what we got going on there. And uh, if you're already over there, well, we uh, appreciate it and we thank you guys so much. So it's so uh, kind of awesome because you guys do noise, rumble, and home time. Because I get to listen to Noise Rumble and Home Time right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> being involved in him and having to listen to him for all yeah. the editing and stuff. Uh, and it's actually really enjoyable because I, I like, well, we talk about movies and we talk about all this stuff. Of course, we, we're in conversation every day. But right. we, uh, but uh, like sometimes we won't talk about a movie and then it'll just pop up as something <laughs> that you watched and yeah. talked about <laughs> <You're> like, oh. <laughs> during, you know, during Home Time. And then like I'll end up picking up that movie or checking, you know, checking something out because of it. And, so it's it's cool even for me who like knows you guys really well and talks to you all the time <laughs> to hear other sides of it and to hear more of the wrestling stuff because I'm still fairly I mean like, you know we've talked about this I liked it when I was younger uh, and then yeah. kind of fell off of it but I'm still I'm casually checking stuff out now especially totally when recommended we by actually, you guys and friends and we had Gray on one of the episodes we talked about fun. the Von Erics that was yeah. really great absolutely um, so yeah so you know popping over there if any of that sounds. Up your alley. Also, there's um, an exclusive shirt for patrons that is a uh, red and white on black design instead of just the white on black design. We have it noiseextra.bigcartel.com. So if you're a patron, you have access to that shirt. And uh, I don't know, a little something just we, for the people who are who are there. Yeah, and, we, and there's also you know we'll, we'll post you know different things up there. You know, kind of pictures, images. Maybe we found old, old old pictures. Maybe Gray. I know he's he's looking through some of his. Actual hard copy photos of different oh, shows and stuff like that. So, yeah, a uh, lot, lot, lot of stuff going on over there. So, and and again, it's it's weekly, just like this. I mean, so you know, there's there's right now there's three episodes a week that go up there. So, all, all, all close two and a half, three hours of extra stuff over there. So, get your ears hop ready. on over. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But um, but listening wise, um, so yeah, knowing that we were doing Tangerine Dream, we've just kind of been in the zone. So have been have been uh, checking out a lot of different Tangerine Dream records, uh, Phaedra, you know, Rubicon, etc. Um, but also um, inspired by a uh, recent guest Pete Swanson and some of the stuff he recommended, we picked up uh, some of that Palace of Light stuff, um, the uh, Mark Barreca Twilight LP. Which is fantastic. It was We've listened wonderful. to that a lot. It. And uh, maybe my favorite recommendation is the K Limer music for uh, Land and Water. Uh, it was a cassette originally and then reissued on CD. Um, uh, and we, we picked up the CD. And gosh, it's one, it, that's one where like you just, I don't know how many times you just let it play through. Cause it's, cause, cause you, you, once you're in that space, you, it's hard to, you don't really want to, you want to just stay in that space. Yeah, absolutely. You know? uh, and it's a really incredible one. So thanks to Pete. I think while I was playing, I kept saying, oh, I really like this. I really <laughs> like this. Is so, this still that limer? I really like it. Yeah. This. So thanks to uh, Pete Swanson for recommending that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, really, really got us in his own. So that's been our, our main zone leading up to uh, discussing Tangerine Dream Zeit. I think I said in that what? episode, if Pete recommends something to you, you should check it out. 
Definitely, uh, definitely. And I mentioned a couple episodes back, he he had uh, hooked me up with some Hungarian weird folk experimental stuff that I checked out that's uh, pretty awesome. So yeah, yes. if Pete recommends it, it's going to be good. I love Hungarian folk music. Heck it's yeah. so cool. Heck yeah. Uh, what about you, Gray? Well, I, I listened to this uh, a while back and remembering that it has cello, well, four cellos on it, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Tangerine Dreams, I, that is, I wanted to listen to one of my favorite records with cello also on it, which is Anenzafelia's No Haim. Oh yeah, Ooh. that one is incredible. Uh, another perfect record, I think. I think I love pretty much all their stuff, but that record is like the perfect mix of weird industrial metal clanging, weird rhythms, analog synth drone noise stuff, and this like somber cello atmosphere on some tracks, and it's it's just so good. That one is really. Looks different than their other records. It sounds different than their other records, and it's a real landmark piece for me. So, uh, Noham is one that I highly recommend checking out. Uh, you know, I'm not sure who else li- that listens to this watches Shudder, but they showed Tetsuo, <laughs> the Iron Man, uh, the mm-hmm. other day. Uh, the one on one of the last drive-in things, and watching that reminded me the soundtrack by Che Ishikawa reminded me of uh, of Dissecting Table, who I used to listen to a lot. Uh, it was kind of when I was first getting into noise, early 2000s, late 90s. Uh, Relapse, of course, did records for him. And so I picked up a Between Life and Death on CD, which is one I didn't have and have been listening to. I've listened to it probably like six times this week. I just keep Sick. putting it on. It's awesome. Uh, We're going to have to do a dissecting table episode. Uh, mm-hmm. so Sounds good to sure. me. We talked about We're it down. before, actually, a while ago. Well, I was also in a dissecting table zone. This this feels like a year ago or something now. Um, <laughs> but, uh Yeah. And then uh, a couple things sort of, uh, well, one's very podcast related, and uh, that one is the new uh, Empty DNA, Moon Crawls Above on Hospital Productions. (laughs) Uh, Wow. It's so good, right? (laughs) I love it. Oh, Uh, thank you. It's really weird. And I I think I texted you that and you were like, oh, it's not normal. I'll try again. (laughs) Uh, yeah really uh strange strange industrial synth samples it takes you on a trip it really is like a nice journey i love the title and the song titles uh so yeah that's up on the hospital band camp now because i think the tape sold out in like seconds yeah well Well, if you need to wind down after that adventure you know you could always get the failing lights album that comes out on friday that's true Brand new failing lights, spirit obscured. I've listened to this CD a thousand times. (laughs) Uh, I keep, I keep playing it. Uh, I have a bunch of other new releases also coming out, but I, I just keep listening to this. uh, Really, another strange record, but it makes this one makes a lot of sense coming from uh, the mind of Mike Connolly, and Mm -hmm. it is really serene. At times dark and foreboding, at times uh, uplifting and beautiful uh, synthesizer compositions uh, across eight tracks, except it all kind of flows together as one big thing. It definitely has distinct zones and pieces. And yeah, it's awesome. So I'm very, I'm really happy to be putting it out, but like uh, also I would be very happy to just listen to it. Yeah, I want other people to hear it. (laughs) We've been kicking this around for a while. So. (laughs) 
Yeah, other people well, need I'm, to I'm hear so, it. I'm so psyched you're putting it on that. And that, I think, if I'm not mistaken, will come out. That comes out in two days, right? It comes yeah, out on yeah, Friday. Friday, July, Friday 3rd. July 3rd. Bandcamp, no awesome. fee day. Uh, so if you want to support the label and get yourself a download of whatever you're buying until I get a chance to ship it out, uh, they've been sitting here. I'm ready to ship them. So uh, <laughs> you can order on Bandcamp. If not, they'll be up on the Contradict Sound Big Cartel as well. Uh, and always appreciate the support from listeners. And let me know uh, if you're a listener. I'll try to throw a noise extra button in. Um, I, I'm always throwing postcards and stickers in every package. So we made a bunch of noise extra stickers, and we have a bazillion postcards here. Uh, if you're a label or distro that wants to spread the noise extra love, you can let me know, and I will send you a stack of postcards for you to put in packages, and I would love that. We would love that. Everyone would love that. Heck yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to uh, talk about an, an, an exciting album that we have been listening to a bunch, but... <laughs> I don't know when when to even mention it, so I don't know when that's supposed to be coming out. But <laughs> someday, yeah, 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 we do love it. someday we're gonna get to we'll we'll get you back with some. Uh, some <laughs> but you know what? It's so frustrating too. Like when you're the only one who's heard something. Like when I was the first one to hear like Failing Lights and like hear it like coming together, and then I can't talk about it with anybody. Like Gray hadn't even heard it. It's just it's it's uh, annoying. I think is the right word for that. It's super annoying. Yeah. So I'm excited to like to really like bust that cherry on Friday. Well, hopefully, <laughs> at some point this year, we'll get to uh, to discuss one of our one of our favorite albums that we've gotten to hear a bunch this year. But we'll uh, we'll let that we'll let that lay where that lays yeah, until put, until a future uh, date. Speaking of things that don't exist yet, <laughs> uh, but sort of do, I've been going through a bunch of uh, stuff by the Cherry Point because I'm working on a uh, sort of reissue collection thing, and mm. so that is in process. But I've been listening to a ton of the Cherry Point. Uh, you know, Phil Blankenship from Tronics uh, was one of the first people I got in touch with with Noise. He was on our Venereology episode. And mm-hmm. he is, uh, I mean, man, Cherry Point's so damn good. Anyone who picked up that Tronics batch got the Black Witchery CD, blast that thing loud. It hits a lot of zones. All this stuff I'm going through hits a lot of zones. So we're going to do uh, kind of a follow up to his classic Night of the Bloody Tapes CD. Uh, this will be a, not a volume two, but you'll see when it drops. And cool. Also, uh, something that Connolly has a hand in. I was supposed to tie that together with the empty DNA, and then it got derailed by the failing lights, but... Uh, it happens. I love derailing. Thank we you. We are in the <laughs> final stages of getting this put together, so I'm not sure on a release date, but uh, my good friend Lee Landy, who I play in Fairlight Empress with and who works as mm-hmm. Oil Thief, has written a book of short stories that I'm publishing, and it's awesome, and uh, it's sort of weird dystopian sci-fi short stories uh if you if you read his lyrics or listen to it you'll kind of understand the zone and uh it's really really cool and to make it even cooler we hit up some of our friends to soundtrack some of the stories so Connolly, as failing lights did a piece for it and Death Neil and E. Segila did pieces for some of the writing in there. Oh. And myself, I, I actually take up the lion's share of the CD, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I made some long pieces because when I read, I like to read to really minimal ambient music. So I made a couple of really minimal ambient pieces. And uh, Lee Oil Thief made uh, two pieces as well for the uh, the final story. So it's like cool, an almost 80-minute huh? CD, and it comes yeah. with a book of short stories uh, much like some of my favorite stuff, well, one of my favorite books that uh, in a foreign land collection or in a foreign town collection of Thomas Ligotti stuff that uh, Current 93 put out with a CD along to read along with it. 
I like that style. This is certainly inspired by inspired by that. And uh, yeah, so that's all the tracks are in. It's just uh, the putting the final nails in everything and getting it ready to go. That rules East Sigilia, or I'm just I completely just butchered that name for sure. Wow, but uh, was so great at Hospital Fest. Open up the awesome. Hospital Fest in December. This track is really then, great, and actually, sick. it's right before your track on the CD. And sick. It's they they go together so perfectly. Oh, sweet! I'm so I'm pumped for that. Scopes. I didn't realize I'm really pumped for that. And Death Neil's great too. That's that's really cool. This is a this is we a really have not heard this out. yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, only I'm one excited. part of it. I just well, got right, the last track in today, and then edited my pieces to make it all fit uh, CD length because I had originally recorded I, too much material for it, which is something that is very rare that I ever get to say. Good problems. Right. Yeah, yeah, Good problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Man. And then uh, you know, like I don't know. Half an hour ago, I listened to Tangerine Dreams Zeit <laughs> and had my lid wow. blown and questioned the ambient music I made to read along to. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> no, because it, it's, it's yeah. uh, can't hold a damn candle to Tangerine Dream, which uh, wow, I said it at the beginning, but this is a this is a perfect record. And yes, Tangerine so Dream for me is one of those bands that has so many great records, so many great soundtracks. Such that live at Coventry video, if you've never seen it, I think it's on YouTube with the like them playing in a cathedral with the candles lit is like just yes. awesome. Oh. Yeah. Uh and of course the solo outings from people involved and people who were temperate, like Klaus Schulze, who was very shortly in the band, but also the uh, Edgar Frosa solo records. Peter Bauman, who plays on this record, uh wasn't all in Tangerine Dream the whole time. I think this is his first record with him, but uh he's his uh, Romance 76, one of my favorite favorite records. Um and this is just a this is just a masterpiece. Yes, it's an absolute masterpiece. This is, this is the the first Tangerine Dream Dream record with what most would consider the classic, you know, trio lineup mm-hmm. of of Edgar Fries, uh, Christopher Frank. Uh, fr- well, Frankie? I say Frank. I'm sure it's not pronounced that way correctly. And uh, and Peter Bauman. Uh, this is this is their first. You know, the first entry into that that era. Um, but yeah, this is just, you know, there was Alpha Centauri and, and electron and electronic meditation, right? That's the, those are the first two yeah. uh, records, but this one, this one stands out on every, on, for every era of Tangerine Dream. Mm-hmm. You know, this is absolute, you know I mean? Well, it was the first entrance of the Moog. This we got, so we got Moog, uh, courtesy of, of, um, uh, the guy from Popol Vuh. Florian Frickie. Thank you. <laughs> we have Moog cur- courtesy of Florian Fricke of Popova on the uh, on the first um side. Uh so, you know, and and they said they kind of had him him uh be a part of the record cuz he was one of the first people they knew that had uh, a Moog and the, the the type of Moog that he had. So they're like, "Hey, come on in and and you know, jam with us." Um <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is all so there's this is all, you know, it's synth organ you know, Edgar plays guitar, but it's, you know, it's very, it melts. You know what I mean? It's, it's not. Guitar is widely, so weird when yeah. we get to it. I, I definitely have some uh, thoughts yeah. on it. I love it. Oh, you mean the bliss, get, the bliss the guitar? The bliss guitar. The bliss, bliss guitar. guitar. The bliss guitar. Yeah. And, uh, and there's really no, there's, it's symbols are credited, but there is no drums where there was drums before. And there's drums on the one after, I there's, believe. There's drums eight. on electronic meditation. Mm-hmm. Like there's yeah, so, yeah, 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 the ones before yeah. and then Atem, yeah. which I believe comes after. I think there is drums on that one. Yes. Um, but this one is just total 
void ambient and is credited, you know, by a lot of accounts as being the, you know, really the first ambient record kind of as we know ambient, you know. I mean, 1972, uh, and again, yeah, Chris Franke, Edgar Frosa, Peter Bauman, and then Steve Schroeder playing organ, Florian Fricke on the Moog. But then you also have four cellists on this record. Yes, the Cologne Cello Quartet yep. and is, <laughs> is who, uh, and that's how that's how the record starts. Yes, I'll never forget. Like when I think of this record, what I think of, I think of actually two things. With this record, and it, the the first thing is the cello, the way it opens for the birth of Liquid Pleiades, and uh, which they're all first movement, second movement, third movement, fourth movement, and then they have titles, uh, 1742 being the shortest track and 20 minutes and 12 seconds being the longest track. Uh, this one clocks in about 20 minutes, the first piece. And opening with the cello is, it's like amazing. It's, I, I, there's... I don't even know how to describe how nice it feels because it starts so simple with a single cello and this kind of keeps building and is this like beautiful melodic thing and then synthesized space enters. And in the way it enters, it, it just melts into it and you don't even necessarily realize, like, I feel like the electronics had been going for like a minute or two before I was even like, Oh wait, the electronics mm-hmm. started like, cause it just kind Smooth. of like, but that has to do too with terror. It, cause this, the subtitle of this record is Largo and four movements. And isn't Largo, isn't that like, yeah. And on a musical score, when you see Largo, it means it's going to have a very slow tempo. And even just those, so everything just kind of slowly morphs into the next thing. Mm-hmm. That would be like a, something. Well, of a Largo. I mean, slowly morphs. It just means that, that the, the tempo is very, very, very slow. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it takes almost four minutes, yeah, to feel like there's synthesizer in the piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a while, and that's you know twenty percent of a twenty minute track. That's a that's a long stretch, and it stays so uh, pleasantly mellow for this for this opening. It's it's a lot of texture, and then. Uh, <sighs> There's almost it's the synthesizer's so mellow up until about the halfway point you get this almost choral vibe and it, you know I'm of course obviously reminded of Popovu who definitely used choirs and some mm-hmm. of those sounds mm-hmm. uh but you you get it's like the playing is perfect on this and the mix one of the things we talked about in that Nord record that I think probably prompted this episode is everything being in its in its perfect place in the mix and you've especially on this first piece you really feel it like the everything just sits in the exact right spot to where you don't notice something while it's happening and then you're like oh that sounds there oh this is going on and it draws you right in like you get you there's no way 5 minutes into this piece that you are not pulled in already well, when we get the the vocal elements, like um, like the Pleiades are commonly known as the Seven Sisters, and so like it, and it's almost like a female like vocal choir, and so it immediately like drew the Seven Sisters um, to mine and to my mind, and then also like um, the 
Pleiades got its name from like plan in Greek, which means to sail. Um, and so sailors frequently used it as the star that would guide their path as um, they were sailing around the world. So, you know, if you think about the the choir of women or the um, actually using it to navigate your path when you're sailing, but, you know, all of those things, I think, um, work really well to to give you an image of what's happening in this piece. And I think that's it's just so visual as you're listening. Yeah. And what, and kind of like Ray was saying, you know, five minutes in, it's like, you're just so on board. And I love that. You just know that, you know, it's a double LP. You just know that like, Oh, I'm in no hurry. I'm just like, in. <laughs> let me just go with this. Like, yeah. I'm not like worried about like what's going to happen in the next 20 seconds. Like it's just, I'm just going with this. Well, and you know, it's funny. Like sometimes when things are incredibly ambient or slow, like I, 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 I will get a little anxious at times and, and this causes me zero anxiety. This actually just like deletes all anxiety. Um, and, and really just incorporated with the, the imagery like and and um edgar froza did all of the paintings um on the album which is like, the front is of a middle, solar eclipse yeah. uh the planets on the inside and this weird it, the paintings are beautiful the album cover is fantastic oh, so cool it's impossible to not think of the cover and the vibe of this record when yeah like like they really go hand in hand yeah when i'm if if i'm listening to electronic electronic meditation uh, I'm not necessarily thinking about that record cover while I'm listening to it, but this is a hundred percent hand in hand with the record that it is, you know, like really feels, it feels completely appropriate. And it, one of the things on this, like after the, the sort of choral sounds come in, the, the, the choir vibe, you get this, uh, the organ is, is then become, you know, reveals mm-hmm. itself. But it's that Leslie speaker, that's that rotating speaker vibe yes, where it's like totally. modulated around the space, but mic'd beautifully. So it really just like it feels like the cosmos swirling around you. It really like gives such a special tone to the whole thing where it it's really like ascending noise. It's really something that lifts you up and and it's heavenly. It's yes. but it's also yeah. ghostly. It's also spectral, and it's also, it's also yeah haunting. It's interstellar, yeah. but it's underwater. Uh, and it's, it's and cosmic. Think, it's cosmisha, right? Like yeah, it's, yeah that's, cosmisha. That's, which is yeah. that was the that was what the uh, the the name of the the genre. But you know that you know obviously goes along with you know Popova and and just their their whole crew um, with the the cosmish. But but truly, they had. Um, you know, the full package in mind and and what they wanted to deliver in this album in terms of like, you know, giving us something visual as a reference and how they want us to think abstractly about it and providing things that are abstract, but also concrete and then providing sounds that are abstract, but also concrete. Um, and it, and it really, um, yeah, it plays with your senses. There's a great interview with, uh, um, Peter Bauman and he's just, he was, the, the, the interviewer asked him about kind of when people started getting interested in instrumental music, you know, as a, as kind of a major, you know, type of music. And really for Tangerine Dream, it was Phaedra when they mm. really, when it really went to the next level for them, which is two records after this one. That um, was the first one he, that I was exposed to. Was it's, I mean, it's incredible. Um, and, and it, while, while this, this, um, while this uh, answer is, he's discussing Phaedra in the answer, and I think it completely applies 
What I really love about instrumental music is there's no linear narrative. It's just pure experience and pure feeling. Feelings are always in the moment, always fresh and always unique. Every time I listen to Phaedra or Zeit, I would say, either one, I think it works. (laughs) It's always a different record. I'm in a different mood, a different space. There are two worlds, the cognitive one and the visceral feeling one. And I'm very deeply into both of these worlds. <laughs> That's so great. I, I love mm-hmm. that. And I'm fully on board with that. I've mentioned this before. I think I might have even mentioned it in the uh, in the Sounds of New Music episode. But Robert Silverberg's The World Inside, which is a like a sci-fi novel about people who live in giant skyscrapers and where they live is based on sort of job and class and they don't go outside because they're afraid of the things out there. It's a lot like now, actually. Um, <laughs> but there's a someone goes to see a concert in a concert hall in this building at some point in this novel and it sounds sort of like a laser light show mixed with virtual reality mixed with a gig where the band is playing and on stage. But what they're doing is conjuring three dimensional or virtual reality, uh, sort of like birth of a, of a galaxy or whatever as Mm -hmm. visuals, but also something that you can feel. It's a very emotive thing. And that description of it's, it's like, that's what music is in the future in this book. That's what concerts are like is like, a virtual reality, but you're there in person, but it's transcending all of those things. And you have a physical and emotional response to it. Uh, I mean, I guess that's kind of what gigs are, but this is like next, next, next level. And that's to me, like what Tangerine dream wrote this for when you, when I think, when I hear this, I I immediately think of that novel and that description of music because it's so colorful, the sound palette and the things that they're evoking with song titles, artwork, and the sounds themselves are truly cosmic and and conjure a response in me every single time I listen to this record. And I've been listening to this record for, you know, 20 years. Totally. <laughs> well, hey, that's that's quite apt because the next track, Nebulous Dawn, like Nebula is kind of like a, a spatial gathering of um, gases and dust, um, hydrogen, helium, other like things, inert gases. Um, and that's how stars are born. So nebulous dawn is exactly what you were describing, Gray. This track, man, the, the modulation is really king on this one. This is like, there is delay and echo and some weird, some weird sounds, little scratching and scratching. It opens again with some cello, but it, it moves into this weird modulated zone that I really, really love. Now, you you you're definitely you know the synth guru on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, can so listed the synths listed that are used are the VCS three synthesizer, of course, and, and used it, by as well as the Moog. used by Mertzbau and uh, Masana later on, and like uh, the VCS three is one of those like well, so well, well, classic actually, noise well, synths. Well, you, could you break it down a little bit for, for Why is it so us classic? who don't maybe know enough or anyone else who, who might not know? Like, so like when you're hearing this, like you said, the modulation, like what is that the VC3? Is that the Moog? I mean, what is... I mean, most synths can, are going to have a modulation. Well, Cord calls it a modulation gener- generator. Some things call it an LFO, you know, simply a low frequency oscillator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the routing of that to the filter or the oscillators to change the pitch or whatever is kind of what I'm referring to here. Now, the VCS-3 has a 
weird, I believe, re-triggering envelope generator. So it basically will use something you could patch up on a module. I think you could use an uh, an LFO to trigger an envelope that would then keep repeating at the speed of that LFO, depending on the shape of the envelope, to shape the sound and then route that to different places. Uh, I have never played uh, an EMS synth, not, not the uh, AKS or the VCS-3. Um, I oh, that, so the VCS three is an yep. EMS. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So okay. is that the skittering kind of shuffling sound that's so yummy? I'm not going to be able to pick out what sounds they used on this for from mm-hmm. what since. Unfortunately, uh, I I would love to. <laughs> I would love to ask. <laughs> Wait, them. I didn't know. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh um, yeah. But like okay. in general, just the sort of uh, you know, the the sort of typical modulation effects on things would be like a flanger or a phaser or a chorus. Um, and on a synth, you can oftentimes route, or at least on a, on a semi-modular synth, you can route that modulation to any number of things, to the pulse width, to the pitch, to the filters, to one filter, to the, uh, the VCA and just have it like kind of give it a tremolo effect or whatever. And so using that in conjunction and saying in different amounts can give really cool sounds and also using several LFOs if you're in, in the case of a modular or using a clock divider or anything like that to sort of... Uh, allow you to modify that in different ways inside of different places so they're together but different I guess very cool but I mean like it's got it must have just been so exciting for them at this time to just be you know they're doing stuff no one did with these things you know the cello is the closest mm -hmm. thing I kind of feel like to normal music and what sort of instrumental music would have been would have been like an orchestra Right. Sort of, you know, before the right. dawn of, of ambient music and at least at least popularly. And so they're still incorporating that element. But the the cello is just another synth in this in some way. It sounds beautiful. And like mm-hmm. I, it, I've i wanted to buy it. I wish I had a place large enough that I could keep a cello and learn to play it or poorly play it because I think it'd be awesome. But it's like I, cello sounds awesome on like every time I hear it. And again, I mentioned that it yeah. ends a failure record earlier and what I was listening to, but it's that, that's just like, it, it, it's they're using it. And that's one of those things that synthesizers were sort of made to do, right. Is uh, replace instruments. <laughs> and well, so yeah, I think the cello is, is a very emotional sounding instrument. Like I think anybody else, I mean, most, you know, stringed instruments are, but especially that like, that deep sustaining tone of the cello. Yeah. I mean, this uh, would be a different th- record if they had a viola on it instead of a yeah. cello. Right. <laughs> right. So, and, and it lays that foundation. It, but in reading um, interviews, it was, you know, kind of the common thread was like really discussing how um, technology and how instrumentation was just changing as, you know, they were a band, like everything about the way they approached music changed while while they were playing and so even during the recording of this like i i thought this was like an interesting quote um about you know using using the mellotron um they said we put our headsets in one ear and then we were listening to the tone of the mellotron while already playing our stuff then by listening to the 440 hertz out of the oscillator we were tuning the mellotron against it so it was only it was the only way of doing it and that had to be done about 10 times during the gig of two and a half hours looking back to those days that sort of adventurous fear not knowing if you're going to overcome good a bad concert be out of tune or whatever so like 40 hertz gets, gets you an a it yeah, gets you an A. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, and, and that was that was Edgar uh, Fries uh, for that quote. <laughs> is, is but like, him. like, how crazy is it that they had to 
tune during the concert. They just had headphones with an A in it, and they're like trying to tune the Mellotron um, during the entire thing That's because it goes absurd, out of tune. And I love it. So insane to think about. Like, and yeah, dude, the Mellotron plays tape, and also a it's two crazy. and a half hour gig. If most, mo- if you <laughs> were to like tell me, if you were to tell me, I we had to sit through two and a half hours of a gig. It would take. It would be so hard for Ugh. me to convince me to go to that gig. If yeah. it was this for two and a half hours, I would be first, first in line. line. I, would be oh, yeah. fr- I would be the first in line. I'm gonna get a pillow. Let's yeah. let's, yeah. let's yeah. post up over here. Heck yeah! But but like it, it's so crazy that they you know they. Uh, could eventually like go to digital and and use other synthesizers to do all the same things. But, you know, during Zeit's recording, like this was quite laborious. Yeah. I played in a band where we used many analog synthesizers and actually played, you know, notes and melodies and whatnot. And uh, I know strange to think about. And uh, (laughs) weird. that's a great band called Pure Ground. (laughs) Talk about that. Uh, And but the <laughs> I would use a sampler for sequencing a lot of the stuff, and I keep an A four forty on there because we would all you know always have to mm. have to tune. <laughs> you never know which oh, nice. is going to actually so be an, in tune. You're oh. not an A four thirty two dude. No, no, no. Four forty is fine. Okay. <laughs> fine with me. That's fine. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the. The one of the things I thought about this, and and when you're talking about it being really an exciting time for them, is that they were at the forefront of it because synthesizers were derided by a lot of people for not sounding authentic and not mm-hmm. being, you know, people were worried they were going to replace real musicians. Well, <laughs> like, yeah, I don't need to hire a, a cello player because I have a synth here that can make some cello sounds, but they probably don't sound as good as these four cellists on this record, right? Like, yeah, right. Well, exactly. Froza even tells a little story about trying to play a concert and then the local like um, symphonic union comes up and says that they get, have to be paid dues because even though they're playing synthesizers, those are considered musicians. Right. Wow. So yeah. it's it's funny because yeah this was much like in the way in noise especially in the like late 90s and 2000s that uh laptops kind of suffered uh some frowny faces from people uh and I think still do in some circles it's it was the same thing with like analog synthesizers when they came out so the Tangerine Dream when laptops and computer stuff came out obviously also switched to that stuff for making their music and doing a lot of live stuff and whatever like they weren't afraid to embrace new technology and so there's a certain thing of course with nostalgia for the past and using vintage gear and all these sorts of things but also like when you look at the forefathers they were embracing the newest technology they could they weren't they weren't recording things to vhs they were they were trying to use the newest best hd camera they could get with their means and use that to record their you know their video or whatever like that's it's just one of those funny things where like those of us who weren't there sometimes have a nostalgia for something that actually wasn't isn't the way isn't the way that the the people who inspired us found it or viewed it or had to deal with pioneering extraterrestrial worlds is what they were doing they were totally doing that, Tara. They, <laughs> you nailed that. That's for sure. Um, and they were also talking about supernatural, supernatural possibilities and the origin well, of those no, possibilities. No, they weren't. What were they talking Did about? Did you think that I was done with Nebulous Dawn? Nebulous oh, no, Dawn. Oh, oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, no, I. That, 
I mean, I, you go. I mean, go for it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we we haven't had a, a chance to really dig into this track. We talked about it a little bit, but man, one of the big things on this is this this modulation. So there's this fade in and fade out of the synthesizers. That's you know, but there's also uh, a lot of panning going on with the synth sounds, and then there's. Some of the most basic, simple, first time you sit at it kind of synthesizer sounds mm-hmm. used in the perfect environment. So they're they they just sit just right. And it's one of those things I love is when you can just sort of do the thing like a power chord on a guitar. It's like, you know, it's the first thing anyone learns how to play, maybe. But it's it's also super effective when used right. And it's like this is this is it. This is these simple synth sounds used right. But this one has these guitar solos in the background. Wow, see, I didn't even notice that. Oh, oh yeah, that, they that like was the, the, the glist guitar. They come in Zondo. a little bit, and then they disappear, and it keeps so maybe happening. I, thought, I might even thought that was synth. I actually didn't notice guitar until the last track. Oh, there's um, actually, I don't have guitar written on the last track, but I the the guitar on this track is like, there are these, there are these like miniature, weird guitar soloy things that just come in and out of nowhere, I, and it's so cool. I think the third track's the first time I was like, "This is definitely guitar," and then I thought <laughs> maybe on this one. But I, I have a question. So this is, you know, when I was listening to Nebula's Dawn, I, you know, as this music does, it kind of makes your mind like float off into space and, and like postulate things. So I was thinking about like, why, what, what is it that's so inspirational about this? Cause I was listening to it and being totally inspired. So is it like, is it the range of sounds? Is it the variety of sounds? I was trying to think of like, um, like noise people listening to listen like no Nord listening to it or Masami Akita listening to this or somebody who really like, what did they like get out of it? Was it the fact that it's like so experimental or was it the fact that it's like so visually abstract? You know what I mean? Like for some reason it like the sounds that they make really like just paint a picture so clearly in your head and like, but what elements in this do that? I think one I of just, the reasons I find it so inspiring and one of the things I think might have been that those people may have also found inspiring in it is that when when thinking back, we've heard plenty of music like this since, but when thinking back to 1972, they weren't, like when I say basic synth sounds, those sounds weren't on any other record back then. These aren't things that you'd heard because it was the easy thing to do because people didn't have this equipment. They weren't mass producing these records. So these guys are doing something completely new and they don't have anything whatever they're inspired by isn't the thing they're doing whereas a lot of times you know especially in noise you can get people inspired by noise mm-hmm. making great noise uh but it's it's filtered through the person these guys didn't even have this sort of history of something to process their 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 interests were something outside of this it's not not somebody hearing like me being like, I really like Tangerine Dream. I want to make music like that. There was no that for them to try and do. <laughs> so they were creating it. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's one of the things that really stands out to me when I listen to this is that, like, even when I say like basic synth sounds, that that's there wasn't a reference point for that really. That wasn't a thing, and it wasn't like today where you could go on YouTube and just be like, 
oh, I'm going to hear all the synth sounds. Like you, you, right, right. Even if these sounds were around, you would have to have found that record. Had someone tell you about that, you know, you've got the BBC Radiophonic Workshop, you have Morton Sabotnik, you have, you know, uh, Music Concrete, you have a lot of this stuff, but you, at the same time, it's not accessible to everyone to find all these things and to, and to be an expert on them or to be super knowledgeable about them. You may have heard one record by someone and that's it. And they had these sounds that you like, you hadn't heard 20 and could go sample, whatever. So I think it's uh, one of the things for me that's really interesting about it is just that early dawn of a genre where they were just figuring out what they were doing and made sounds that they wanted to make. Totally. And, and yeah, I mean, this is, this is pre, you know, so much stuff, you know, this, this really is, this truly is the dawn of, of ambient music in, in eventually is going to get to noise because all these guys are listening to it. All these people that we talk about on the podcast, I realized that I didn't, the fourth track is not the track I was heard guitar is the, it is origin of supernatural possibilities where I, that was the first time I picked up mm-hmm. on the guitar on the record. Uh, not the fourth. There's no guitar on the fourth track. I don't think. Gosh, again, this he one's was also so mellow and quiet and weird. I really like yeah. it. I, when I think he did like do modif I think his guitar was also modified and he was doing it, you know, playing it, you know, in a different way. So it could be all over that. And we just don't even realize it. Um, but yeah, I, on origin of the supernatural probabilities, it, it's, this is like, I think this is the most subtle piece. On yeah. The well, and even cause the guitar is even like, cause it's basically like, it's just like a strum kind of like a yeah. chord and it's, ba- it's, it's, it seem it's seemingly like only two or three chords. And I, I love that. I love the, like just the like chord and then maybe you go down and then you go back to it and then you go back down and it's just, and it's just that over and over again. And that's where it kind of becomes like, um, that's where the meditative part comes in. It's almost like walking up the spiral path. Yeah. 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 And that's where it's almost too, like almost like Raga, you know, almost like Indian, like Raga where it's these, you're, you're kind of, it's these spirals that are being created, you know, through these, handmade loops basically you know what i mean like it's not you know they're not they're not they're not uh you know making a loop on a loop pedal they're no. making it they're actually making it as it goes and i love you know, that i thought this was the most narrative track out of all of them in terms of like you know we we're saying like you're being guided into a spiral like i i thought that this really could you know take you with the story even down to like having that like that pulsating, like for lack of a better word, like tractor beam sound, you know, it, it added like a weird kind of like ominous nature and truly like a, a space feel like an extraterrestrial feel. And I thought that that added extra tension. Uh, but I, I wanted to ask you guys this um, because, you know, this is what I was thinking about the title of origin of supernatural possibilities. Like, um, you know, for me, as I was meditating upon the sounds, I, I was thinking like looking up into the sky is the origin of supernatural possibilities. Like um, looking up, seeing like the heavens, it's the first time that people would like speculate against about like the existence of supernatural or somebody else being there other than themselves or like having having these thoughts. And so I just thought that the title was so like lovely and provocative and um it it really took me on a journey i mean it took me to 
it took me to like kind of lunar caves. Yeah. And and, and I was definitely in a you know on a lunar landscape in caves on in that lunar landscape. And the you know that guitar that is melting with the electronics was kind of taking me along, exploring each cave. Mm-hmm. But then there's these points, kind of later in the track, where there is a little bit of light coming through. It, it's only a little bit. It's almost like the it made me think of the cover. It made me think of like like this light trying to come through yeah, over an like, eclipse, it's the, but it's um, very little. The umbra of a solar eclipse, and you eclipse. almost like can't you try to see it and then it goes away and and that and so that's where i was i was in these lunar caves and this light would like creep in real quickly and then kind of move away and then creep in a little quickly and then kind of and then i'd maybe try to peek my head around the corner and it'd be there but then it would disappear right as i right as it got in my eyesight it disappeared you know <laughs> so um, so supernatural for sure very supernatural <laughs> real quick is it possibilities on your copy or is it probabilities it is probabilities, probabilities. we've been saying it wrong probably <laughs> Did I say the possibilities? whole time. I said possibilities. You might have said it. You know what? Did I say probabilities? Hey, you guys have been listening to us. Oh! You know, you know how it goes. We're gonna say. Oh, some, we're gonna it's say. So upsetting. Some, I have. I know it's probabilities. We're gonna say some words ah, you wrong. You know what? I'll blame Caught you. Know up what? In the moment. I will take the blame of that because I said possibilities first, and then you probably heard me say that. And one of the, mm, I'm I'll taking sh- it. I'm we, taking we shall it. share it. We shall I share, share it. that guilt. I'm taking all the guilt. I'm taking it all. It's. It's. I'm taking it all. I'll. I'll share your burden. I'll share your burden. That, that's. I don't. That's requ- what we do. I don't require it, Tara. But I. I acknowledge that. But I appreciate it. <laughs> well, anyway, supernatural probabilities. Yeah. Looking up into the night what sky, would be the thinking between like, a- what is up there. But there What's is a the pretty big difference, right, between probability and possibility? I don't think the difference is huge. The probability could be um, nothing or a whole lot. The possibility could be, could same, be same or thing. A whole lot. Yeah, you know, you're it's right. It's a possibility. I mean, I think it's I think it's a nice vague term, but I do agree that probability is more fun because then it incorporates like something that could be you know statistical. I love it. A thing oh, that good. may happen or be the case. <laughs> yes, exactly. Probability is the extent to which something is probable, the likely of something happening or being mm-hmm. the case. There you go. Yeah. So you know, I've been, it's, I've been it's quite I've, quite I've, similar. I've been m- more <laughs> wrong before. How about that? <laughs> I, think it's this, a, I think it's both on the probable, spectrum of incorrect. I think it's both <laughs> probable and possible that you've been more wrong before. <laughs> <laughs> Where did this track take you, Grape? I was just soaking in it. I, I don't even... You almost get lost while listening to this record, and it's at this You're point that bathing. I was. Yeah, I agree, and I yeah. agree, and that yeah. and that's kind of it for me. And like, like you said, like you're like, oh, the guitar on this on the second track. I'm like, was there a guitar? I don't like, like I I I listened to this yeah. record twice today, and like I like, yeah, because because it because this it just calls for just going with it. And you don't have to think about the the mundane reality of what they're actually playing that's not what i'm going with i'm going with where it's taking me the whole time so if there's guitar if there's whatever i i barely notice it oh wait this is another thing i like that um edgar said he said um i'm still learning to serve the inexplicable 
So that's how he described like making music. He's being in service of the inexplicable. That and, is so cool. And you know what? Maybe that's what's making us all struggle a little that bit here so because cool. it is inexplicable and it and it really like prompts all of those feelings and brings up all of those unanswered questions. And but you know, like a sense of wonder isn't a bad thing for an artist to possess. I think it's a, a great thing. To <laughs> it's funny to hear that quote because one of those things when I started making stuff and especially when doing hive mind and sort of, you know, inspired by this and more free form atmospheric ambient synthesizer music was uh, the idea that whatever you were recording was something that was, it was an energy that was just sort of flowing at all times. And when you, sat down to record it and and try and capture it through whatever tools you had, your synthesizers, your equipment, your your setting, uh, that you were just capturing that moment of that energy. And I think yes. in service to the inexplicable is a very nice way to put sort of that same idea um, where it's these these moments and these instincts we have while making music like this are very important, even if we don't understand them. I love that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, you know, <laughs> any song you've ever written, you're like, how did that happen? I have no idea. Yeah, or any, any, like after any, it's done, anything you I, make something, you're like, I don't know how that happened. Yeah, I couldn't I tell no you. Idea. I couldn't tell you how the fan lights came about. I no. couldn't tell you how the MTDNA. I don't, <laughs> I, it just, I, yeah, no. So I know what you mean by that. I yeah, totally know what you mean absolutely. by that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really love where, where, where this, this movement, uh, took me. It was quite a welcome place to be. Lost all sense of Zeit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure did. And to uh you know, Zeit, of course, uh meaning time. And to quote one of myself and Tara's favorite power metal bands, Blind Guardian, time, what is time? Oh god, they're so correct. What <laughs> is and time? That's man, like wow. And 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 there was a someone had done a the the, the idea of Zeit and the idea that they were going with was the philosophy that time it, it like it's like in your head basically zeit which means time was based on the philosophy that time was in fact motionless and only existed in our own minds yeah and that that is in a reissue liner notes is what, that, is what that's from um but which is so amazing and that just fits this perfectly i mean that is like a, a principle of um wow i was totally unprepared to explain this very complicated principle in physics, but well, yes, please do. I, I cannot, but, oh, um, well. <laughs> but basically the idea is that every point in time exists in one instant and we are spending our, our time trying to catch up with processing everything that's occurring and that, um, and then there's another idea that not, not just that time is just one burst of all time that happens at once. Uh, the other idea is again, that, you know, time is on a plane and time is experienced, um, based upon the other factors that are pressing on the plane, such as gravity, um, you know, and motion. I think that's perfect. A perfect thought to have while listening to this track. Sure. 
<laughs> well, you had it. Sure, I, sure. I, I was not prepared for all for the depth of of time thoughts the, right this now. This truck has a nice depth to it too, with a lot of really sort of microscopic sounds going on here. Yes. Oh. Yeah, there's tons oh, there's tons of little sounds that kind of sprinkle throughout the track. I love that. And guys, I have one more time thing. Go for um, it. That again, I was not prepared to talk about this, but they've recently found new evidence to prove the theory that time exists forwards and backwards simultaneously and that there's a parallel universe that experiences time in direct opposition to the flow in which we experience it because everything occurs um, with parallelism and symmetry uh, when it's created. So and this how is, fun is that? And this is the absolute soundtrack to that. <laughs> and to quote the great band Chicago. Does anybody really know what time it is? Does anybody really care? I love it. I love it. Uh, who would have thought that in a noise podcast we would discuss uh, Mersbau, Nord, Euronymous, Tangerine Dream, Blind Guardian, and Chicago? And I am so on board with that. But I want to discuss David Bowie now. Oh, because yeah, yeah, when yeah. David Bowie was trying to get an apartment in Berlin... Um, he was helped by one Edgar Froza, uh, and, and he got him an apartment and he also helped him not use so much cocaine. And, di- and didn't you say that da- it was also Iggy pop. Didn't you say that Iggy, David and Edgar all lived together at one point? Yes. They, they Whoa. stayed with them until they got their apartments. It's <laughs> yeah. it. What? What was that room like? What was that place like? It's insane. Oh, oh man. I did not. That is news to me. That is awesome. Uh, it's fun. That's it's great. just fun. That's great. I, I just like, I just like the idea of all three of those hanging out, but like, I, I think, I feel like Iggy was like the entertainment. I mean, you know, I think, I think that would have been, that'd have been a pretty great, <laughs> great, uh, great hang for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah. Oh, there's, you know, on th- his 1973 album, David Bowie has a song called Time. Look at that. <laughs> We're just making all these connections. He was uh, also inspired by Tangerine Dream, by the way. Um, there's synth sounds on this track that absolutely remind me of White House Birth Death Experience. There's like oh. those weird, like bubbly, like yes. it's that like birth death sounding synth. I know exactly what you mean. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. It's there's some definite bubbling here. Although it's also very ghostly sounding. Like this is another uh, one of those spectral yep. pieces on here. Um, one of the synth sounds that I also I, I don't necessarily associate with White House, but when I said uh, there's two things I think of when I think of this record is on this track a lot of these microscopic sounds, and on uh, Nebulous Dawn, there's these sort of sparkling shooting star sounds that come in, and this has <gasps> some of those, but quiet, and that's what the other thing when I think of this record that stands out to me immediately is these, like, these very cosmic sounds from these instruments, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I wrote stars falling, glittering through the sky. Like, it's so funny how I can bring up the same, like, mental imagery, like, we... This one in the in the back end, though, almost has, like, a horror movie ambiance to it like a horror soundtrack vibe that i thought was really at first felt almost out of place but it sits just right and then sort of weird uh there's hiss it's a noisier track there's there's tape hiss or white noise or something in this thing that's just there 
And uh, it's a sort of strange glue to keep these other small elements together. I know what you mean. I, I heard that too. And I, and I absolutely got a haunting, a little more tense feeling when those sounds are coming in. I know exactly what you mean. This track. Well, yes, I, I agree that it was like the most ominous of all of the tracks. And like during this, I couldn't help but think of the, the front cover and the back cover because we have um, the, the solar eclipse on the front and then the moon on the back. And that's what causes the eclipse. So I thought of this as like the shadow and the shadow maker. And they really like line up. If you look at each side of the album, it is like the moon is in front of that eclipse. And so I don't, I don't know. The shadow and the shadow maker is kind of like the way I thought it's like, it's still dark, but it's, it's just a potent darkness. So the liner notes say uh, sleeve design and cover painting by Edgar Frosa photos, Monique. What are the photos? Right. Mm-hmm. His uh, reference it, it looks, photos. Is it, it? I assumed it was collage. Cause the, the center pieces look like collage to me. And then also I thought that the back was painted over a photo. I assumed but I, I could be totally wrong. I have no idea. But mm. I thought they were like partially collage and partially painted on okay. things. I have no idea. I'm I'm just curious. It was just a thought. Like I didn't want to ascribe credit to someone that uh, it isn't due for these, but also like what, of course. what elements, what parts. Because, yeah, it looks like a painting, but it also does like when you look at the moon, it looks like the moon kind of like mm-hmm. I can't tell. Yeah. And I think the inner sleeve, like it, it really, they look like cave walls, like, like the, the shadow as it catches cave walls and like abstract landscapes and, you know, abandoned worlds. And so we actually literally, the we have it, we have it, <laughs> we have the gatefold open. Yeah. So like we're up. staring at. We're all we can see like is the book. gatefold right now. Yeah, yeah. It looks so cool. God, I could just stare at it all day. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the. I mean, Stratosphere obviously has a fantastic cover. Phaedra has a very nice and fitting cover, but it's this is the one like sort of cover that stands out to me from the Tangerine Dream discography the most. Although Alpha Centauri, I guess, could to some. I have a weird copy of that that is Alpha Centauri and Atem together, and uh, so it's. The cover is like a blending of the two, which looks really weird. Mm-hmm. You know what looks good is uh, Edgar Frost's uh, solo albums. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I mean, they all they all have great. They I all didn't just, check the solo albums. Oh, they look I'm amazing. Sorry. Uh They yeah they and and they're amazing. You know what wow. I mean? That's the thing is they're they're all just this whole crew. I mean, know? he's a cool dude. Yeah. Yeah, you, you know what? Obviously, well, you know, and, and actually, we should say, and, and like, we an should a- say, you know, well, surely still is a cool dude, but of course, rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, rest in peace. Uh, Twenty fifteen. Yeah, not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he and he he did he continued Tangerine Dream through then, and it still continues to this day in some form. I mean, there's no, uh, there's no you know original members or anything, but it still does continue as a project. Um, but he did it up till you know up till then. You know. Oh no, here's here's another fun thing he said. Uh, he said, uh, you know, we're talking about how we're so inspired by the artwork and his solo artwork and then in music, like, you know, he's a full package guy. Uh, so he said, there is no evidence whatsoever that there's a ditch between all known art forms. At the end of the day, you easily can figure out if an artist has something to say or not. When I switch from being a sculptor and painter to the necessity of explaining and expressing myself through musical structures, I didn't feel the loss of abilities I had in my previous work. I think that's such a great way of, of thinking about art and thinking about music. You, I, know, you either just, have something to say or you don't. Yeah. 
And these guys had something to say uh, for sure. And, and just the, and even the inexplicableness of it is, mm-hmm. is part of what they had to say. And it's just letting just like noise and just like everything we, so much what we talk about and so much what we're into, it just, it really, the listener has to be active. You, you, you just have to be, even if, even if something like this, even if active means closing your eyes and being still and just going with it, that you're, you're, you know, your brain's going to soak it does- in and be a part of it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, this exactly. does a good job of activating. You know what I mean? Like, That's like maybe, true. maybe there was a yeah. message it couldn't activate you, but you know what? I, I think that this record will activate you. I think absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um. So, I, I thought there was one more thing that really inspired me when Froza was asked how he would like his career to be remembered. And he said, the vibrating pulse of our music, hopefully, will find some open-minded heads and hearts for a long time to come. The rest isn't that important. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at Noise Extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at Noise Extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.